Right, welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, a special edition, uh, as we like to do now and again, uh, because we've got uh, a lovely chap called Neil Fitzsimon on the show today, who uh, not only uh, wrote a well, he wrote a book a few years ago, I'll ask him a little bit about that in a minute, called Rhapsody in Blue, which is basically about really the kings of the king's roadside from about 67 to when they won the uh, the Cup Winners' Cup in 71. But Neil has come out with a sequel uh, earlier on this summer called A Deeper Shade of Blue, which chronicles uh, the, <laughs> to say it was a turbulent period in Chelsea's history is possibly the understatement of the year. But really, he goes from 1972 uh, to uh, 1977, when, of course, Eddie McCready's Blue and White Army raced back to Division One. And I will stop there rather than reveal what else happened and introduce the lovely Neil. Neil, lovely to see you. Yeah, nice to speak to you. Right, I mean, you know, first thing, I mean, obviously, you know, everybody now now knows everybody through the wonderful medium of Twitter. Yeah. Maybe I should rephrase wonderful world of. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but, I mean, I've never actually met you, but I obviously know of you because I knew about the Rhapsody in, in, in Blue Book and it's, yeah. it's lovely to get you on the show. But tell me a little about you and your relationship with Chelsea. Um, yeah, uh, well, uh, it started after, uh, well, before the 67 Cup final against Spurs. Uh, I'd already been talked into supporting Chelsea by my uh, one of my older uh, my uncles. Um, I'd one he was Chelsea. I had another uncle who was Tottenham. Another one was Millwall, uh, and he poisoned my mind against those two clubs pretty effectively. And uh, yeah, I, well, I loved Chelsea's kit and also loved Charlie Cook as well. And even though we lost to Tottenham that day, rather unfortunately, they they were they've been my club ever since. Yeah, I mean, and that's the lovely thing, isn't it? You know, everybody kind of finds their own peculiar way into it. I mean, a lot yeah. of the mates that I have, like you, you know, who yeah. I have the utmost uh, respect for and almost envy of because they're kind of born, right. born into Chelsea, you know. Yeah. Dads were Chelsea fan, granddads were Chelsea. My wife was like that, bizarrely. I mean, she yeah. she was born in uh, Battersea and her, her mum oh, was right. a her mum was a Chelsea fan and used to watch, she saw us win the title in 55. Uh, and her granddad was a Chelsea fan. He used to take her to the bridge. Funnily enough, around the time we're going to talk about, I never had any of that. So I really both respect and envy you guys for being, oh, right. being okay, into yeah. it like that. But I mean, did I have I got this right in the book? I mean, you mentioned Pimlico. I mean, were you a Pimlico boy? No, no. Uh, I, I was born in the Elephant Castle. I lived there. Then we moved out to Hemel Hempstead when I was fourteen. Uh, but then through Chelsea, uh, I'm made one of my best mates, you know, just got to talking to him on the terraces and he came from Pimlico. So uh, I spent a lot of time going around his house, meeting him there like, every Saturday lunchtime and then we'd walk all the way to the bridge, past the King's Head and eight bells and s stop in there and everything and then like carrying down towards the bridge. Yeah, so um, that's, yeah, that's more like my link to Pimlico is through my mate, who I mentioned quite a lot in the book, Gallagher, who was like, you know, my uh, my wingman in those days. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, uh, many, many, many years later, Neil, I mean, I, my, the first flat I, I, I got in, in London was Pimlico and I moved up right. just after university, so kind of late 80s. So uh, I, I know that part of town very well, uh, yeah. even though I'm back in the back in the countryside now. But there you go. So um, you mentioned Charlie Cook. Was he, is he your favourite player of all time? Um, my favourite player is Ian Hutchinson. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> Because um, 
I, I, I think partly that it, all those injuries and he was look, always looked as, upon as our salvation, like to team him up again with Aussie up front. Uh, I mean, that one, you know, fantastic season they had together when we won the cup in 69-70. Um, yeah, I really took to him because, you know, um, he wasn't a, like a typical Chelsea player, really. I mean, he was like big, strong and muscular and everything. And he, he was like a perfect foil, I always thought, for Osgood. He never found another striking partner like that. Um, yeah, and I just thought he's never-say-die attitude. And also, you know, the goal he got in the cup final, you know, which saved us against Leeds. And uh, just a generally, yeah, I thought he was a brilliant player. And it was like, I think it was a tragedy that he had to retire when he was just, what, 27, I think, something like that. Yeah, I mean, without I think that's a brilliant choice, Neil. I love that because so many people say Peter Rolls good or Alan Hudson yeah. or Charlie Cook. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think Ian Hutch was one of the bravest players we've ever had, and and sadly, yeah. you're, you're right. And I think I mean, without jumping the gun, but I, 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 there are many reasons as to Chelsea's complete and utter, you know, for, well, fall from grace. Let's put it politely yeah. over the, you know, from '72 onwards. Yeah, you know, but I, I really think actually Ian Hutch being injured a lot, and as you said, was the perfect foil for Aussie. Yeah. I think that's underestimated as, in terms of, of of the huge impact it or negative impact it had on us at that time. Yeah, I, I, I mean, we, you know, they, we bought the likes of Bill Garner and Chris Garland. Uh, I mean, and they just didn't have that like understanding and rapport. And, and, and as you said, yeah, we definitely it it, it cost us a lot. I, I mean, one of my worst memories back from those days is going to that League Cup final against Stoke at Wembley, which I didn't see coming at all. Though I'd been to Orient the week before when we blew a two-goal lead and I started having doubts during that week. But um, I, I think with a, a fit Hutchinson uh, alongside Oscar, it, it, it gave us much more variation up front and it allowed Oscar like, to fill into like the spaces that Hutch created for him. And I think it was a tremendous loss. Uh, that you know, from when was it? I think the injury started in February '71 against Southampton. He tore his cartilage, and then after that, it was just a litany of one injury after another. Yeah, that's right. Very sad, uh, and a lovely yeah. man by all accounts. I mean, yeah. let, let, let's get into the book. It's a deeper shade of blue. As I said, it came out earlier in the summer. You very kindly sent me a couple of copies, which is yeah. very lovely and decent of you. Um, now, I mean, I know you'd written Rhapsody in Blue, which, as I said earlier, was really, yeah. you know, when you started, as you said, you started supporting Chelsea in 67. It was real yeah. kind of a bit of a love letter to that Kings of the Kings Road side, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. So this was kind of the natural sequel, really. You've picked up the story, really, from the end of that book, haven't you? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the, the downturn of the club. <laughs> uh, and what it meant, I mean, it, uh, when I first moved out to Amor Hempstead, it was like the beginning of no it was late 1969 uh yeah and i was strutting around the place then because you know and then when chelsea won the cup in 1970 uh the kids i played football with a lot of them um there's a couple of top supporters most of them watford you know being out in hemel hempstead and uh you know I, I was really you know bragging about chelsea and then i suffered years of abuse and ridicule <laughs> after watford got that money from Elton John and we ended up as being like a mid-table second division side. So, yeah, yeah, I saw both sides of the coin. Well, indeed. I mean, you know, I tell you what, one of the things I I, I, I love about this book is, it, it in a sense, it's different, which you might think is an odd thing to say considering so much has been written about this, this period yeah. in Chelsea's history. But 
you know, Tim Rolls, who, of course, I, you know, I suspect you know, I know yeah. very well. Yeah. You know, he, he's become, in a sense, you know, a real chronicler of, of both the, well, the Doherty yeah. era, the, uh, you know, the, the, the kind of post-Sexton era. Yeah. Now he's doing one of the Sexton era. You know, Kelvin Barker did much the same um, with the 80s, of course. I mean, I think he, he's written a yeah. seminal piece on the 80s. But actually, you know, this book, I think, fits in really well with Tim's books because Tim's, you know, Tim is a details man. He's a chronicler, I would yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. You, you've really, I think, managed to, to, to meld, you know, all the history and the matches and what happened and the yeah. details of that, you know, that only you can only have from being there. And yeah. by the way, I think you've got, like a lot of my friends, an, an astonishing memory, unlike me. But, <laughs> right. But, you, but the other thing I love about it is, is you, it, you know, it's, it's also like a social history, too. Yeah. Because you, you were, you were how, how old were you in 72, Neil? Uh, I was 16. 16. Was, yeah, seven, coming up to 17, right. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's really a story about, you know, what I mean, teenage years can be mental. And I think it's a, yeah. you've got a lovely element of that. And, of course, the, you know, the playing football a lot as well. Yeah. You know, and, and what it was like to grow up in the 70s, which was a mad decade, let's face it. It, it was. I mean, when uh, Pitch Publishing got interested in this book, um, you know, they'd read a couple of chapters and, and they were a bit worried that the chapters that um, diversified a bit away from... Chelsea people might not be interested but I, I decided I just didn't want to write a book that just was like uh we you know we won this game so and so and so and so I, I've read so many of those those books and I just was a bit sick to death of them so I wanted to do like a cider with Rosie type thing uh about what it was like to grow up in those days and um I said I wasn't going to back down to them um I said it will work and they they agreed that you now perhaps in a longer form it was, if it was interspersed, it'd be okay. And uh, thankfully, yeah, it seems to have uh, it worked out because I think it's done quite well on Amazon. Both books have done quite well. Well, I'm very pleased to hear that, and it's well deserved. But I'm, I'm even more pleased to, to hear you took the uh, the Tom Petty approach and refused to back down. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, know, I know you know your music, so I would imagine you know the yeah. Tom Petty story very, very well, which was very yeah. much the same. And I'm a great, yeah. great fan of that attitude. And yeah. it worked, absolutely, yeah. because it makes it different. And I tell you what, I could have, that long kind of, you know, spiel I just gave about why I like the book, I could have, yeah. you know, done it in, in one word. It's personal, Neil. And yeah. that's what comes across. Yeah, that's what I wanted to do. Because, as you know, uh, as you said, there have been so many books um, that I, I've uh, just finished a book about Holland now. Uh, it's a brilliant orange Um and yeah, it, it was okay. It was it was quite a good read. But it, as you said, it, it, I, I would like to have had more of his experiences in the book rather than just the facts and figures, which you know I, I know off by heart anyway, because they're one of my <coughs> they were one of my favourite teams, the '74 Dutch side. Um, yeah, so that's what I was trying to do because uh, I had some doubts about it. But my my wife uh, Trudy, she said to me. You know, there must be loads of other blokes out there like you who all went through the same experience. So just stick with that. And that's what I did. Yeah, I, I totally, totally get that. I mean, I, you know, in a way, Neil, you're, you're preaching to the converted here because that, that's yeah. absolutely what I love. And yeah. I mean, weirdly, a weird kind of parallel, I suppose. But that's kind of what we've always done on, on the fan cast. We're, we're, yeah. I I'm not interested in, in just what happened in the games or the no. stats and stuff. and. X, XG. If I ever hear that again, I'll probably punch oh. myself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a it's about the personalities and the, yeah. and the joy we have of following a club. 
Oh, yeah, that's despair. right. Despair, you know, yeah. you can be both. Yeah, got it. that's right. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, I mean, yeah, that, that's all part of it. It's it's like the visceral thing of going to a game and what it was like in those days. I mean, now it's a much more um, what's the word for it? Sterile type uh, experience than what it was back in the day in the sixties and the seventies. When, to be quite honest, you had to be really careful when you went to a game. I soon learnt to. Uh, put my scarf under my Arrington or whatever I was wearing, Crombie, when I was outside the ground, you know, travelling from Houston to the games. Uh, because, you know, that's that, that was the danger you had in those days, being set upon by, like, stray uh, bunches of northerners waiting for easy prey. So it was, it was, a, it was a different era completely. Well, it was indeed, wasn't it? I mean, it, it's definitely the decade that fashion forgot, as we all know. Oh, God, yeah. Um, but but I, lo- I loved your description of, of the Technicolor, you know, decade that was the 60s. And yeah. then when we got to the 70s, it was monochrome. And I remember when I moved up, I mean, I didn't move up to London until 84. Right. And I, you know what? Weirdly, that's how I remember it in those days. It, it just felt very monochrome it, yeah it was still i mean like places like pimlico there were still bombed out bits you know it wasn't gentrified yeah. like it is now that's right yeah yeah because i think where's gallagher live was i think it was cumberland street or cumberland terrace some of that and i went back there a few years ago to have, have a look around there just you know for old times so and it, as you said it's been gentrified now it's it's completely different from when i used to go around there because i think gallagher's family had the whole like all the different floors you know they all lived like that and everything but you know it's 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 completely changed and it was a bleak decade the the 70s especially when you start getting to the tail end of the 70s yeah absolutely with, like with thatcher coming in the winter of discontent and then you have the miners strikes and yeah. you know i mean all the trouble really started in the early 70s like with joe gormley and the miners when the we were ha- we had the power cuts and everything every night you you knew the lights were going to go out at 10 o'clock at night it was a, it was a pretty grim time well that that would i think that might have been in 72 73 actually might yeah yeah i mean i, I mean i i remember as a, as a kid i would have only been about eight yeah or nine then but i remember you know candles everywhere and you know yeah, yeah. very very weird and of course you know you had like three three channels on the tv and that was it mad yeah. time um yeah you were, you were right as well. I mean, obviously, I wasn't really going in those days, but everybody I know who was always said exactly what you said. It was yeah. it was quite dangerous, you know. Hooliganism yeah, yeah. had really kind of, I mean, it, you know, having kind of really, I suppose, started in the 60s, it had taken on a whole different level, hadn't it, by the 70s? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I uh, got set upon by Man United supporters at Houston coming back from a game. That was in March 69. I think I, I wrote about that in the first book. And then... Uh, in January 1970, I uh, received a kick in the back when John Holland scored down at the clock end when we when we absolutely wiped the floor with them 3-0. And I said to my sister, who went to the games with me that season, I said, whatever you do, if Chelsea score, don't go mad. And of course, when they scored, I went mad. And the next thing, somebody had uh, given me quite a whack in the back with, uh, I don't know if it was a Doc Martin or whatever, but, it, you know, it really bloody hurt and everything. But there was terrible fights. They delayed the kickoff that day because there were, like, iron bars and chains being used down at the clock end. It really was, you know, what was really great was that we, uh, I think we scored a couple of goals in the last 10 minutes really to rub their noses in it as well. So it was, uh, I think Peter Marinello made his debut that day and got marked out of it by Eddie Mack, so... Mm. Yeah, it was. It was. It was dangerous. 
Okay, well, look, you you know, you start the book really, you know, it's the 72-73 season, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, you know, we, 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 we're still, you know, high on the fact that we won the FA Cup in 69-70 and then the yeah. Cup Winners' Cup in 70-71. Yeah. Um, in 72, of course, as you mentioned a minute ago, we, we lost the uh, League Cup final to Stoke yeah. City, which, you know, we were nailed on favourites for. Oh, we were. But nobody had an inkling, really, of, of what was to come, did they? I mean, you know, we've got this, the new East, the, well, the East Stand's demolished and we start building the new East Stand. I mean, yeah. basically everything in the garden looked rosy for Chelsea on the outside, didn't it? Well, it did. I mean, and we started the 72-73 season quite well. I mean, we, we thumped Leeds on the opening day. I went up to Derby uh, a couple of weeks later and when we, they were the, like the reigning champions, we beat them up there. Uh, and I think in October, we actually won at White Hart Lane. And then it started in in like in the autumn of 72 that we started losing games i remember we got i went to a game at down at southampton where we played them off the pitch and somehow managed to lose 3-1 and then we started looking there was a vulnerability i think in the side that was creeping in and by like christmas and the new year i mean we'd slip right down to mid i think we finished 12th that season as well i mean we had good runs in both cups we i think we lost to arsenal in the quarters of the FA Cup and unbelievably lost to Norwich in the uh, in the semi-final of the League Cup, which was pretty grim mm. as well. Yeah, but I, I, you could just see signs of the, the discontent there and it didn't help having the ground where there was like, all you could see was a railway track and a graveyard stuck behind it, you know, <laughs> and the players like in porter cabins as well. I don't know, there was, there was an air of like despondency that, that was coming down, you know what I mean? And I, it was quite sad in a way because it... You know, I'd only known like real success, and all of a sudden, you just realise, you know, that things were turning for the worse. Yeah, and as I said, it, it, it in a way that doesn't make sense because you know um, Brian Mears had this great vision for the club. Yeah. You know, we were, as I said, we we were still very high on the idea that we'd we'd, we'd actually finally yeah. won a few things. But I, I think, in a way, you know, for me, that seventy two seventy three season was really. The uh, the beginning of the end wasn't it? It was yeah. certainly the beginning of the end for the Kings of the Kings Roadside. I mean, you mentioned the semi against Norwich. That was the yeah. fourth time in fourteen months we'd lost a cup tie when we were absolutely nailed on favourites. Yeah, that's right. And that was the last semi final, major semi final we'd had for twelve years. Yeah, that's. I mean, I think um, when we played Norwich, we were due to have played them the week before Hutch's comeback on the Saturday, but that was rained off because I remember I was going to go to that game. And then Hutch came back on the Saturday and we beat Norwich 3-1 and he scored two goals and it was like the prodigal son returning. And then we played them on the Wednesday night and somehow contrived to lose 2-0 to them. Uh, then I think there was that in the return game, the fog came down when we were losing 3-2, but they replayed the game and then we I think we lost 1-0 in in the replayed game. That's right. And and as you, as we were saying, I mean, that was our... I mean, it was our worst finish since '62. I mean, I yeah. think, I think that, as you said, you know, from from spring onwards, we were in relegation form, weren't we? Oh, we yeah. Something like one one win in ten was the worst run yeah. under Sexton at that point. I think. Yeah, I remember going to I think game in in the spring of '73 when we lost three one at home to Stoke. I think a player called Tommy Ord scored I never saw so much more of him and they just completely gave us the runaround you know what I mean and it was um it was really sad and you know where there'd been like passionate 
support everywhere. People were starting to, you know, like get onto the team and everything and make jokes at them and everything. And it, yeah, it was a it was a really depressing time. It was indeed. Um, apart from the one bright spot on that season, which was Raquel Welch turning up, of course. Oh yeah, against Leicester. <laughs> yeah, I went, right. I, I went to that game. Yeah, I saw her walk down the side of the pitch. Yeah, <laughs> that was brilliant, wasn't it? Um, yeah. I mean, if we go into seventy three, seventy four, I mean, I mean, that's really, I think, where, oh, where the yeah. walls, the, the wheels really do begin to to fall off. And I mean, the, the, I think you know, if we set this in some sort of you know historical context, yeah. Um, you know, it's very easy to say, you know, everybody goes, oh, well, you know, the players like Osgood and Hudson threw their toys out of the pram and it was yeah. all, all a bit, you know, toxic in the dressing room. But yeah. I think, you know, and, I mean, the other thing is people like Eddie Mack, you know, the, some of the older players that had been very much part of the, yeah. the famous Kings of the Kings road start were really getting past their sell-by date. Yeah. And, and actually, you know, if we look at it now with a modern uh, lens, we could say, well, you know, what we needed, Neil, was to spend some money on rejuvenating yeah. the side. We've got these brilliant youngsters coming through, like Ray Wilkins, Gary Locke, Swain, Mickey Droy. Yeah. Uh, we just need to, you know, maybe buy three or four players, replace some of the older players, and we go again. But of course, yeah. we couldn't, could we? Because financially, we, we went, we were absolutely stuffed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, broke. I mean that the uh, the East Stand almost put the club out of business. I mean it was considered a white elephant for for years. I mean when it finally opened, uh, in seventy four seventy five. I mean that would that in, that season ended in relegation. Um, yeah, and that yeah, looking at it in a modern way, that's what we needed to do. Um, you know, I think Eddie Mack by 73 so I don't think he played in that season if I, if I remember rightly I think 72 73 might have been his last season uh and it, it, it was looking tired and also I think um the problems with Osgood uh had been going on for for some time I mean you know from that transfer listing in August 71 and I, I don't think I think Sexton was a little bit uneasy with players like Hudson and Cook and Osgood who I think he saw their talent and couldn't quite understand why they only turned it on in some games, like and you know big match players. Um, yeah, but th- that was definitely that seventy three seventy four season was utterly miserable. Yes, it was. I mean, I, I mean, you know, I think I think the reality is, as it often is, isn't it? It was. It's never just one thing, is it? It was no. just a kind of a. I think we had a perfect storm of stuff going on. You know, yeah. obviously, Aussie and and Hudson were were not happy campers. Yeah. Some of the side were getting past their sell-by date. The youngsters were, that were coming in, whilst good, were untried. We had absolutely yeah. no money; couldn't really buy anybody. No. And as you said, Sexton had an issue, I think, didn't he, with managing certain talents, yeah. e- egos. I think is probably the best way to put it. Yeah, that's right. Well, I, I think I, I mean I said that in the, in in the book, a deeper shade of blue. I find it a bit rich that he accommodated Stan Bowles when he went to Queens Park Rangers. Yeah. I found that a real strange one because, you know, Stan was no saint and we all know about that. He liked to uh, to go, you know, down the bookies and everything and he was a bit of a loose cannon. But, you know, I, I, I'd have loved to have seen Stan Bowles at Chelsea, to be quite honest. Um, uh, that he accommodated him. And I just found it a bit... And I found it a bit rich when he came down a few weeks after we'd got rid of him and QPR murdered us 3-0 uh, at the bridge with, like, David Webb in the side as well. It was... Quite a chastening experience. Yeah, I mean, I, I often think about about this season and certainly the next one is a you know because I mean you know by the end of this season, Aussie Aussie goes to Saints, doesn't he? I yeah. think in, in the spring, 
yeah. uh, Hudson's gone to Stoke. So they've they've made you know just over five hundred grand selling yeah. those two. But it, it seems to me that the whole dressing room has completely lost it. Sexton gets sacked, doesn't he? That, yeah, he got, that, yeah. In October. In October, 70, yeah. October seventy four. I think uh, when we lost one at home to Wolves, that was his last game in charge. Yeah, I mean, it seemed a crazy decision, really, to let those two go, uh, you know, earlier that year and then back the manager and then <laughs> then sack him a couple of months into the new season. Yeah, it was really, really odd, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. uh, Rick Glanville uh, uh, sums this season up, I think, absolutely perfectly. He says, systemic dysfunction, anarchy and chaos. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sums it up, doesn't it? Beautiful. Yeah. I know. I remember. I mean, going back to seventy three, seventy four. Even Hutchinson was put on the transfer list by uh, Dave Sexton for going on holiday with Aussie without without telling anybody. And then uh, he was quickly taken off the list when he came back because he scored. I've described it in Rhapsody in Blue. One of the best goals I've ever seen at Chelsea. And there was only about nine thousand people there, and it was a midweek game during the the uh, power strikes. And he scored in a 3-0 win. He hit a volley like a bullet past the uh, Burnley keeper. And it's just a shame that there's only 9,000 of us there. Because they, they were playing the games uh, at about um, 2 o'clock in the afternoon or something because they couldn't use any floodlights and everything. And I, you know, I met Gallagher there. And it was such a fantastic goal. And I think a couple of uh, weeks later, he took Hutchinson off. But I just thought, who's next? Because we'd already lost... Uh, Charlie Cook and Paddy Mulligan to Palace, which was a a catastrophic decision, mm-hmm. I thought. Because, I mean, you look back now, and I think Charlie was barely 30 years old. And just to offload him like that was almost unbelievable. Yes, it, I mean, it, there were some really strange decisions yeah. going on. And I, 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 I mean, who knows? I mean, without talking to, to Brian Mears, which you can't do. No. Um, you know, I wonder how much of that was down to you know, trying to sort the debt out. I mean, you know, as I said, they made over 500 grand, didn't they? Yeah. For Hudson and, and Osgood. So perhaps yeah. that was going on there. Um, just picking up on something you said then, actually, Neil, because that, that's often intrigued me. Yeah. Um, you know, because the attendances were were falling and falling and falling at this time. Yeah. Of year. I think... I think, yeah, the the um, I mean, we, we we avoided relegation thankfully by beating Burnley three 0 didn't we? And yeah. that was the lowest attendance since nineteen thirty eight, eight thousand yeah. one hundred seventy one. Is that what it was? Yeah. Oh, God. Now, I mean, I know the power cuts were clearly an issue, but I, it yeah. wasn't just that, surely. No, no. I mean, um, I mean, we were in deep trouble then. I mean, I think we finished was it eighteenth that season? I think just. Uh, but you know, we even somehow contrived to lose to Manchester United. It got relegated, yeah, yeah. season three one at home and everything. So yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it was a depressing. You know, not to go. You know, it was all doom and gloom. But it was. Yeah, there was just an air of despondency about the whole place. You know, it, it just reminded. I said it, it reminded me of like a cinema where everyone decides that the film's no good and you can hear all the seats going up. You know what I mean? So, so everyone's leaving. It had that. They had that atmosphere about it. You know. Well, I think I think it, you're right. I mean, it, 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 it. I think you could see that the decay had set in or wherever yeah. you wherever you looked. You know, the players, the toxicity in the dressing room. Yeah. The stand, the issues with that, the, the North yeah. Stand crumbling away. Oh, that yeah. Empty emptiness. It was it was grim, wasn't it? That's yeah. the only way to describe it. 
Yeah, yeah, it was. And, you you know, we got sick of the sight of seeing like the away supporters down the other end all celebrating while we're just standing there. And, it, you know, teams that wouldn't have lived with us a few years before. I mean, I just, as you said about the eight, um, the 8,000, you know, against Burnley, whatever it was, you know, you just go back four years, March 1970, and I was in a crowd of 62,000 against to watch us play Man United the week after we got to the cup final, you know, and it's just, it was, I think about 15,000 were locked out that day as well. It was pandemonium getting in that day. So yeah, it was, it was a real sharp fall from grace. Yes, it was indeed. Um, my bad, Sexton, of course, goes in, in, in the 74 season, the next season, doesn't he, actually? Yeah. But that, that I mean, you know, we, we basically had a, a, a you know, a, a very average season in 72, 73, finishing 12. Yeah. 73, 74, we finished just one point above the relegation zone in 17. Right, yeah. Obviously, we, we all know, most Chelsea supporters will know, we end up get, getting relegated in 74, 75. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, even in spite of what we were saying, I mean, I think it's a good point, actually. All the supporters knew what was going on, but the, yeah. cl- the club seemed to be in cloud cuckoo land. The East Stand opens, as you said. We yeah. also signed David Hay, didn't we, from, yeah, that's from, right. from Celtic after after the World, Scotland uh, being in the, doing really well in the World Cup in 74, in fact. Yeah, and he played really well in that, and I was quite staggered mm. that uh, he actually decided to come to Chelsea, even though, I mean, you know, I've got no love for Scottish football. I think it's an absolute joke. Um, yeah, I was delighted because I'd watched him in the World Cup that summer, and he, and I think he was named in the, like, one of the teams, a lot of the, uh, the best 11 of that World Cup. So I was quite amazed. But again, uh, that never worked out because he was like beset with injuries uh, pretty soon after he joined the club. I think he, he he seemed to miss more games than he played in David Hay, even though in that promotion season, 76, 77, he was excellent. Yeah, he was, he was a quality player, wasn't he? Because yeah, he was. was. Definitely beset uh, by by injuries. I mean, that season, you know, really kind of in terms of how we played, followed on from, from the one before. And yeah. we soon end up in a in a relegation flight, uh, fight. Um, I mean, again, uh, I mean, I, you know, even I remember this game, bizarrely, uh, when I was at school, uh, a couple of my best mates, one was a big Chelsea fan. Yeah. One was a big Spurs fan. Right. <clears throat> so, and I was, it was it was the Spurs fan's birthday. Uh, now, by some kind of weird serendipity, I've just been in, in Trent Bridge with him for the last yeah. four days, getting horribly right. drunk watching the crickets. He's still a yeah. mate now, bless him. Yeah. But uh, he went off with his dad and my other mate, who was a big Chelsea fan, to White Hart Lane towards the yeah. uh, end of the season for a match that's now known as the Battle of White Hart Lane. Yeah. I would imagine you were there, Neil. Yeah, yeah, I went that day, yeah, with Gallagher. Uh, we actually went into a pub to have a few stiffness before we got in there that day because I didn't know we were going to face it. We actually saw the Chelsea team coach, go past us up the Seven Sisters Road that day. And I always remember seeing John Hollinger sitting there, you know, looking really miserable. And I, I didn't know that he'd been dropped that day. In fact, I don't think he ever played for Chelsea again after that. Uh, I mean, I think Ray Wilkins, that was his first game as, as captain. Uh, and then I know Teddy Maybank and I think, what was that name of that thought? John Sparrow were playing. But oh, yeah, that was... a. A grim day. I mean, because Spurs were equally as bad as us, really. And I, you know, I, I do think if it had been us at home, it would have been them that would have uh, taken the drop. But yeah, that was a, it was a pretty fierce day, and there was loads of trouble out there, outside there that day. But I've done a few read it in the book. Um, I uh, Jack Taylor, the referee, was actually in our ch- compartment on the tube train. <laughs> Brilliant. 
coming back, which just seems, I mean, almost incredible now. But I, I turned to Gallagher and I said, what do you think of that referee today? And he, you know, I won't repeat what he said. I said, you think that? I was, you know, and I said, you'd, you'd tell him that. He said, I really would. I said, well, he's just standing over there. Go and tell him. <laughs> I'm like, Gallagher, because like, he was a big bloke, Jack Taylor, <laughs> and everything. But he just fronted it out. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was a pretty miserable day uh, going down there and, and seeing that. But, you know, I'd almost resigned myself to it by by that after. I remember the date. It was April the 19th, 1975. I'll never forget that day. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it. I mean, you know, we we. Were, I mean, it, I think us Spurs and another there was another London team, wasn't there? But that was uh, uh, locked up in this uh, relegation battle. Um, who was it? Um, now, it might have been Arsenal, actually. You know, they was. were they were in and around it, weren't they? I mean, they finished sixteenth in the end, but yeah, yeah, because we, we beat them at Highbury that year. I remember that because I went to that game. I think it was over the Christmas that year. Um, yeah, because I think West Ham won the cup, so they had a pretty decent season, but. Um, yeah, it was a straight shootout between us and them, wasn't it? But thankfully, you know, it, it's all uh, come good in the end. And <laughs> I, I'll take the relegation over what we've achieved in the the years uh, since that. Well, there is that. I mean, it it just it was just mental. And again, it seems to me to be you know kind of almost emblematic of what was going on at the time. You know, the gates yeah. were locked uh, before kickoff. Jack Taylor, I think he delayed the kickoff. There was loads of he fighting did. on the pitch, kung fu fighting on the pitch. I always remember right. that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's footage of that, isn't there, with there all the is. kids with their with their silk scarves tied around their well, wrists and everything. And I, I hate. I mean, I, I honestly, Neil, I am a lover, not a fighter. I mean, and mm. I would be about as useful as a as a piece of fudge in a fight. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I remember as a as a nine nine ten year old. Uh, no, it'd be nine at the time. You know, I see these two mates had gone up there, and I and I don't know why I couldn't go now. But anyway, and I remember. Uh, watching it on the news because it, it made the news, the, the six yeah. o'clock news, and I, and there was a part of me that was like really jealous that I hadn't been there because it looked absolutely mental. And as a yeah. nine-year-old, it looked exciting. You know what can you say? Yeah, yeah. Because oh, I, well, I think we had the Park Lane end that yeah. that day, uh, Charles. Uh, we we took over that, uh, and there wasn't so much. Again, there was there was fight, fighting on the pitch and everything like that, but the trouble outside was ten times worse. I mean. You know, you heard the sirens going as soon as the game's finished. And I remember that actually me and Gallagher sat around for a while on the terraces and waited for it to disperse a bit because, you know, uh, we'd been caught there a couple of times before in uh, in after the League Cup semi-final uh, when we knocked Spurs out with that last-minute Hudson goal. Uh, I saw somebody push through a plate glass window and I thought, no, I'm, I'm going to wait this time <laughs> and let all that mob go. Well, as you said earlier, it was a, it was a pretty dangerous time. Yeah. Then, yeah. anyway, I mean, we do get relegated. We lose two 0 to Spurs. I mean, we're a bit unlucky. I think. I think uh, Ray Wilkins, who was the captain that day, as you said, uh, Mister Sitter, and of course he was captain that day because Eddie Mack uh, yeah. was made manager, or certainly I think on a on a kind of a, a preliminary basis. But he was the manager. Yeah, he was, and he decided basically to dispense with the old brigade and bring in the yeah. youngsters because I think he he knew he'd been been involved with the youth team hadn't he that season Yeah he had yeah he had yeah and I, I think that was his first thing he dropped I mean one of his mates from the you know the glory days John Hollins Kemba went I think Chris Gold most probably left by then I think they both ended up at Leicester um I I've got a feeling that perhaps he might have saved us if we'd have made the change earlier yeah, in October, and rather than Ron Stewart taking over, who, who'd been really a man that nobody knew. I mean, he was the assistant to Dave Sexton. Um, 
you know, and we just thought, well, we're having to do that because we've got no money. We can't attract anybody like a top manager in. But I think if Eddie Mack had got in there, he might possibly have saved us because some of our performances in those games, the last couple of games of the season against Sheffield United and Everton, um, were, were really good, even though we didn't win either game. Um, you can see signs there that he was giving like fresh blood a chance. Well, that's certainly what he did. And I mean... I mean, you say it in the book, and 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 again, I think so many people I know of your vintage who were yeah. going then say the same thing. But you know that Eddie Mack side that he created. I mean, the first season was seventy five, seventy six. Yeah. Uh, then of course the seventy six, seventy seven season, which we yeah. got promoted. But it's one of their favourite teams. It's it's kind of iconic in a way. I mean, I, I don't know if you were. Uh, at the uh, the book launch for um, Smithy and DJ and Kelvin and Mark Meehan's book, uh, the Eddie Mac Eddie Mac book. No, no, I wasn't. No. Uh, well, I mean, you know, I, it was it was quite weird being there for me because I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I wasn't going when when that team was around, but I grew yeah. up knowing about that team. And Ray Wilkins was one of my all time Chelsea. Oh heroes, yeah, great, so, brilliant. Yeah, so. I, I kind of went there, like, you know, I felt part of it, but a little bit on the outside, but it was quite fun viewing it from the outside. Yeah, yeah. And seeing all of my mates just so Star Trek, because they had the the in, the whole of that, well, all of those who were still with us, the yeah. team there yeah. as, as one. And Eddie, who, of course, very rarely makes it over here. and it's, And everybody says it's one of the best evenings they've ever had. Which kind oh, right, of shows yeah. you how much love there still is for this particular team. But there was good reason, wasn't there, Neil? Because they—he I mean, brought the youngsters in. Ray was the captain. They were exciting, weren't they? Yeah, they were great. I mean, that, as you say, that first seventy-five, seventy-six. Um, I think uh, we tried to play our way out of the division that year, and we got bullied by quite a few teams. I mean, there were the likes of Bolton and Sunderland, who looked like you know something from the land of the giants. And everything, but by the time that 76 77 season, there seemed to be like a steal within the side, like a swashbuckling type thing. And we weren't taking any prisoners. And uh, I think I said in the book, I was quite delighted that I think the Notts County manager said in about our second game of the season that we we're nothing but a bunch of animals. And I thought, well, well, that's you know, that's what I want to watch. You know, we can we can turn it on, but we can also dish it out because David Hay uh, and Steve Wicks and that lot they wouldn't take any prisoners. Yeah, and it was just a, a fantastic. It made you like, you know, you got they brought the pride back to the club. Really, you know, it was like the, I thought the dawn of a new era. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's kind of again, you know, it, history and hindsight are, are very interesting things, aren't they? Because yeah, I think the, the 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 transformation from from the despair that had been, I mean, we said decaying, yeah. didn't we? And we, you know, the club yeah. had been decaying for three or four seasons. And in a, in a yeah. way, by bringing all in, in all these youngsters, and also play, I mean Eddie played really good attacking football. I think, and I mean, oh, he did. Yeah. yeah, I mean, when I when I had to put the fifty years thing together, we were all watching as much of this on YouTube as we could, and I was really surprised actually how good the football was. Yeah, yeah, they were really. I mean, one of my favourite games from that era is when we beat Southampton three uh, one at the Bridge in October '76. With uh, I think Southampton scored with about twenty minutes to go to take the lead. And I mean, they had the likes of Ted McDougall, Shannon, Peter Osgood, and various other like, um, you know, seasoned pros. And we absolutely thumped them 3-1. We scored like three uh, quick fire goals with uh, Ray Wilkins getting the the third one. And we absolutely played them off the pitch. You know what I mean? And it was, uh, it was a real gung-ho uh, 
style of football that you know I I really miss to this day because I've done about you, but sometimes I find like modern football a little bit anemic. All this Sideways you know, passing, passing backwards, oh, God, it drives me mad. It really does. Absolutely, me too. I mean, it was perfectly yeah. set up, though. I mean, you know, Ray Wilkins basically in the centre mid, just pinging balls left, right, and centre, but yeah. u- but usually nearly always forward. That that's the, he didn't become a crab until he went to Man United. That's the reality. No, that's, <laughs> I mean, he was our top I, I, scorer in seventy five, seventy six, I think, wasn't he? Yeah, did he get about eighteen goals or something? Twelve like goals. I don't know. Twelve goals. Twelve. Twelve. All yeah, oh, yeah. right. Okay. Yeah, because I saw him score like a fantastic goal against Oxford in one of the opening games of that seventy five, seventy six. I couldn't believe it was the same player when he went to Man United. And I couldn't quite work out why Dave Sexton, who obviously knew him from the Chelsea days, had turned him into this conservative, you know, play it safe midfielder. I just, you know, one of the best midfielders I've ever seen uh, down at the bridge and everything. I saw him make his debut against Norwich on a Friday night. And even then, you know, you could see just in that one, I think it was in 73, 74, what a class player he was. As I, as I say, it, it mystified me what happened to him at Manchester United. Indeed it did. I mean, that, that first season under Eddie um, in 75-76, I mean, actually, yeah. even though we've been effusing about it, I mean, we didn't win our uh, any of our last nine games. We actually ended up finishing 11th, which I think is the worst uh, yeah. the worst we'd finished up to that point, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And they were just inconsistent, like a lot of teams with youngsters <coughs> are, weren't they, really? Yeah, I mean... Because I remember towards the end of that season, we played Bristol City away, who ended, who were, got promoted that year, and we got a two-all draw down at Ashton Gate, and we were really delighted. You know, me and Gallagher, we thought they played really well. It was on match of the day that night, and uh, Kenny Swain, I think, and Gary Stanley got our goals, and they really took the game to uh, Bristol City, uh, and were unlucky not to win. And so me and Gallagher were really up about that. And our last home game was against Orient. Uh, we went to that day, you know, nice sunny day, thinking this is it, you know. You know, we thought, well, a nice a home game against Orient to, you know, round the season off or something, you know, at least a little bit more hope. And we lost 2-0 at home to them, uh, to Orient. With, I think Laurie Cunningham scored a really great goal. And as you said, one week it was, we, we, we actually beat Sunderland that year. I think we won the league that year. We beat them in one of our best performances. But then, you know, we were losing home games. At, well, I mean, the worst one was the Oldham one in January 76. That was just the pits. A three-nil home defeat, and we sat in the East Stand, me and Gallagher and a few other uh, my mates, uh, a half-empty stand, watching them being absolutely trounced by Oldham Athletic. You know, it, <laughs> yeah, I think there was a crowd of about thirteen thousand, something like that, that day. It was, yeah, it was pretty desperate. Mm. It all comes together though, doesn't it, in the seventy-six, seventy-seven yeah. season, which is, uh, you know, very much. Uh, well, so fondly remembered, I think, by by anybody yeah. who was there. It was a real, yeah. It was real fun, wasn't it? Again, it just all kind of clicked, didn't it? Really, I think that's the best way to put it, Neil. Yeah, that's right. I mean, from the opening, uh, I went on the opening day when we played Orient down at Brisbane Road, and um, Jock Finnison got a goal about three minutes from the end. Uh, yeah, I mean that, and right up to like Christmas, some of the football we were playing was absolutely brilliant, and you know we're just sweeping uh, teams away. Um, we fought with a little bit slightly in the new year and that's when he brought the likes of um, Charlie Cook back into the side and Ron Harris came back and Benetti came back in goal because uh, the one thing about that season was that when we did lose that season we got absolutely murdered I went to I think Millwall did us 3-0 
Luton did us 4 0, Charlton did us 4 0. So I could see why um, that Eddie Mack brought in some of the old stalwarts just to get us over the line at the end. You know, I mean, we went up quite safely in the end, but I mean, I was starting to get a bit nervous, as you always do, that after all this brilliant football we played, we'd miss out yet again. Indeed, and um, I mean, didn't, I was just trying to remember. Actually, didn't didn't we didn't uh, a lot of our supporters kind of build a few bonfires at the valley when we got beaten four 0 by Charlton? Yeah, they did, and they they put all the windows out in the Charlton Social Club as well. <laughs> Unbelievable! And, and I remember I remember coming back on the overground train back to uh, is it Victoria from there, and uh, someone was pulling the communication cord every five minutes, you know, and a four 0 defeat, and you know, all of us wanted to go home, yeah. but some like. Charlie thought it'd be like a great laugh just to keep on stopping the train every five minutes. There's always one, isn't there? Yeah. Um, I mean, we had a we. I mean, that's the other thing, really. I, I, I mean, you know, maybe you would have a more definitive view on it than me. But in a sense, it's it's kind of seventy four. Well, seventy five, seventy six, seventy six, seventy six, yeah. seventy seven were really our away support. Suddenly, yeah. you know, that, that I think really, you know, I mean, forget the hooliganism for a minute, but just the numbers yeah. that were going. I think that's, oh, that's where amazing. This, you know, where it already started in a way, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was absolutely... Well, I, I think there was almost like a badge of honour of sticking with Chelsea in those days when you went away, that no matter how badly things were going at the club, they still had a loyal a loyal uh, following and everything. Yeah, and the, the away support was tremendous, you know, and, the, and it has been ever since, really. I, I'm, my, you know, even before that, it, it was great, to be quite honest. I mean, I, I went to the cup final at Old Trafford in 1970, and that was quite amazing. You know, the uh, the Stretford end packed with, I think, I don't know how many thousands, thousands of Chelsea. And of course, there's that famous day I was behind the goal when Kerry Dixon got that goal against Arsenal in 84 at Highbury. I think there's about, was it about 20,000 Chelsea supporters behind that? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was, um, that was unbelievable. Excellent stuff. I mean, did you did you go to Athens, by the way? No, I didn't. No, my dad wouldn't wear that one. You know, that was a bit too much. You know, I, I, I'd got it in the neck on the semi-final when we played Man City because our train broke down and he, he blamed it on me for turning up in the early hours of the morning, <laughs> which I explained that the, the, our tube train got stuck at High Street Ken and it wouldn't move and it was quite a, a warm evening. But somehow, you know, he, he was blaming me. So, yeah, I, I'd, I'd have loved to go, gone to Athens and I, I unfortunately had to suffer it listening to... Well, the game wasn't even on the radio. Yeah that night it was England Wales yeah. and it said score updates and I remember sitting in the kitchen at home and they said as far as we know Chelsea have won the cup winners cup and then this idiotic BBC bloke came on and said hang on a minute there's been another goal in Athens and I just knew you know we, I just thought and uh, they had they actually put extra time on the radio and they absolutely battered us Real Madrid I think you know it was real like last ditch defending I think Webby cleared one off the line but as I say, I suppose, you know, I, I've never been so disappointed to think that they, you know, the bloke was rubbing it in saying, oh, they actually brought the cup out and put the blue and yellow tassels on it and everything like that. But at least it allowed us to see it on the Friday night when we, which was televised. Mm, yeah, brilliant stuff. Yeah. I mean, there was only about 200 Chelsea fans uh, there, I think, uh, weren't there, that, that stayed. Yeah. But it's, it's a, bit, a bit like the Sex Pistols gig at the Free Trade Hall in Manchester. Now there are about 200,000 people who say they were there, I think. But Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did know one bloke who's about five or six years older. He actually went out. He was there for both games. Uh, I don't think... I mentioned him in the book. Arthur, he wasn't one of my favourite people. I don't think he had the imagination to lie about it. But he, wasn't even, he was a Luton supporter, but somehow he, he went out there for a jolly up for that, for that week. 
Brilliant. I, I I do know several people who went actually. Yeah. I, I'm delighted to say, you know, some really who have become really really good mates, and I mean, one of yeah. whom said it took him about two weeks to hitch back because oh, he, he had no money. I mean, but there were yeah. stories that there are some people that never came back; they just stayed there, didn't they? Got married, <laughs> made a lot. Yeah, they themselves. made a lot of friends, didn't they? Yeah. There were, apparently, there's still bars out there with yeah. all the. I thought, yeah, it's amazing. It is indeed. Anyway, back to 70, uh, 76, 77. And it's, yeah. uh, it's funny that we're talking really about, you know, the tremendous away support we had because the key, yeah. the key match really all boiled down to Wolves away, didn't it? Um, yeah. We were, we were competing with Wolves to try and get promoted that season. Yeah. And I think Forrest as well, they were, they were in the, the firm. This would have been Clough's Forrest. He'd go on to win the league the next season, I think. Oh, yeah. Right. So, Unbelievably, yeah, so yeah. it was us, us wolves and forests. We got, we have to go to Molyneux. Uh, yeah. Apart from the fact we couldn't, because apparently there were bans in place for the Chelsea yeah, fans. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I, I never went to that. I had to suffer that uh, at my girlfriend's house again, waiting for updates uh, on the radio. But I think that's where that thing uh, came in that you can't ban a Chelsea fan. And uh, I think there were thousands of Chelsea up there that day, from what I've seen. And on the when you see the footage at the end of the game, there's a lot of Chelsea up there. But that, yeah, that was a particularly uh, taxing afternoon to wait for the the updates uh, coming through to that. And I think when when Wolves equalised, I thought, oh God, here we go. You know, there's about 10 minutes left, but thankfully it all turned out well and even better that Spurs practically were confirmed as being relegated the same afternoon. Yeah, a definition of a win-win. Um, yeah, it definitely was. But it was interesting actually because in the in the commentary, I don't know, it might have been Motson, but uh, the commentary uh, actually it wouldn't have been Motson because it was ITV. Yeah, I, think I think it was huge. I think it was huge. Johns. Huge Johns, but he mentions yeah. it because when Chelsea scored, obviously loads of Chelsea goes up, and he said, "Oh, there's yeah. a lot of support for Chelsea in here," and I don't quite know why because they're supposed to be banned. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, because it's Tommy Langley, wasn't it? That's it was right. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, I think that was Hugh Johns. Oh, yeah, I really like Hugh Johns. I thought was a brilliant commentator. Great commentator, wasn't he? Yeah. Brilliant. Anyway, so mass celebration when we have our final game uh, at the bridge uh, against Hull City. Yeah. Um, and that that's also gone down in folklore for various reasons, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I was on the West Stand benches that day. Um, I, d- I did mention earlier in, in Deeper Shade of Blue that I went onto the pitch after our last game against Stoke in 72 when the old East Stand was coming down and actually managed to score with a tennis ball in the net down the, <laughs> at the shed end before we got thrown off the pitch. But uh, by 77, I, you know, I was like 20, about 21 then. So I decided not to go on the pitch. Yeah, but I mean, it was a perfect opposition, really. Hull, I mean, they just laid down and died, really. But I mean, it was, yeah, it was a, it was a great day. Yeah, and I, it, sorry, go on, I, Neil, go only really battered by the one against Leeds in 84, which I fondly remember with, with Ken Bates' comment about Leeds having a really bad day, which caused, he came out with a megaphone and said something disparaging about Leeds having a really rotten day and their supporters then started lobbing bricks all over the place. Didn't, didn't, they, um, didn't they kill the scoreboard that day? They did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they did. I do remember that. Right. Um, yeah. So, um, I mean, Eddie had to come on the uh, pitch. At, didn't need to like basically say, look, don't, you know, stop invading the pitch. Otherwise, the yeah, game would be abandoned. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he came out with his uh, trendy 70s like overcoat with his pendant around his neck and his shades and everything. Yeah, he he definitely was a character. Eddie, mate. I really, you know, I really liked I liked him as a player. And I, I thought it was a tremendous loss letting him go like that. It's one of the worst decisions the club ever made. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you do talk about it in the book, obviously, because it it, yeah. it was just so heartbreaking for uh, yeah. for many supporters. But how did you feel? I mean, how did you find out, and how did you feel about it? Uh, I found out 
round at my girlfriend's house. I'd uh, been working that afternoon. I came back. I think Virginia Wade was playing in the women's uh, final at Wimbledon. Uh, and I wanted to see how she'd got on. And I just picked up the local newspaper, which really just dealt with Watford, you know, about their trials and tribulations, which I wasn't a bit interested in. And I just saw in the stop press down the side, uh, Eddie McCready resigns as Chelsea manager. I just couldn't quite believe it. You know, it, uh, it, it's it's like a bit, bit that's made that season almost like bittersweet, really, because we know what's coming at the end of it. And it, yeah, it ruined it. Uh, it didn't ruin it. I mean, great that we're back in the first division, but I, I did have worries then that when Ken Shellato was appointed, because Eddie Mack, I don't know, you know, he, he, he was a bit like in the Tommy Doherty mould, wasn't he? He'd make brush comments that we're going to like, you know, we're going to terrify the first division. And that just went out of the club. And, you know, yeah, it, it was a real blight on that season, I thought. Well, it was a, it was like the death of hope, wasn't it? In a way, because yeah, yeah I mean, we 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 played such great football this season. It really clicked. Yeah. You got all these youngsters, Ray Wilkins as yeah. the captain. It was it was all looking very very good. Yeah, and, and as you say, when when Eddie goes, you kind of knew that that was well. that's, yeah. that's that really. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's kind of lovely to talk about these things in a hypothetical way. But I mean, how how do you think we would have done in the first division the next season if Eddie had stayed? Uh, I. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I don't. Uh, we, we survived that first season, didn't we? When, uh, after it had gone, I think we might finish like mid-table, something like that. It, it was the passion was was missing from the club as well, and there was a different style of play uh, the following season. Um, yeah, as I say, it's hypothetical. I, I'd like to think that that swagger that he'd instilled in the club would have like seen us through games. There were signs of it that following season. You know, of that, um, we absolutely murdered Liverpool in the FA Cup, knocked them out of the cup, and then we beat them. What people forget, a few weeks later, we beat them 3-1 down at the bridge when Tommy Langley scored an absolutely fantastic goal against them. So there were signs there, but, I mean, you know, we, I I think it would have been difficult to have improved it that much without like making a few signings, really. And, of course, we still had no money. I mean, we were. I think we were no. £3 million in debt at the beginning of this season. I think there yeah. a lot of people thought that either we got promoted or we'd go bust. That's right. Well, yeah. That, um, oh, well, 76, 76, yeah, because I, I, I write in the book about in the summer of 76, just uh, seeing uh, a news board outside, like Chelsea face extinction and everything. And, you know, I mean, the thought of that, your club's not going to be there anymore. But, I mean, me and Gallagher, we had an emergency, like, phone conversation that night. Then we decided that if they went out, of business that was it i was never going to nail my colors to any other mask so you know that, that's your club and that's it you know so it was oh it's a horrible thought you know and you know the jokes that you were having to put up with from you know people that you'd been laughing at when they were laughing at you it was yeah but um thankfully you know we got through all that mm, we did indeed um i mean it's interesting actually just picking up from what we were saying about how well might we have done i mean if you think about it you know, we we came second in the in the in the second division this season, seventy six, seventy seven. Yeah, Wolves got promoted in first; they were champions. Yeah. Forest were third, and they went. Yeah. and then they won the league that season, and then of course went on to win the European Cup back to back. You know, and I, so that's what I'm really saying. I think football was very very different then. It wasn't like now, where if you get oh, promoted, no. your odds on to go back down. We might no. have done really really well because I think we yeah. had the we had the you know we had the bankings of a very decent team. 
Yeah, we did. Yeah. As uh, I, I think, you know, as, as you were saying, the heart was ripped out of the club, really, when, when Eddie Mac went. I mean, uh, supposedly the players, there was a deputation led by Ray Wilkins to get him to stay, but they, both parties refused to back down and, and that was the end of it. So, yeah, you don't know, because if anyone had said to me uh, in 77, when Forrest just about edged out Bolton, I think, at the end, to go up with us, that they'd win the league and the League Cup yeah. the following season. I, I would have laughed at them, even though they looked a decent side when in 77, when I saw them down at the bridge and we beat them 2-1 at the end of that season. Uh, I, I would have, you know, I would have thought no chance. So perhaps you're right, you know, but with that gung-ho, never-say-die attitude, it might have got us through. Well, we'll never know, will we, no, Neil? And that's the, no. that's the kind of joy of it in a way, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, turning really well, you know, I say turning to the book, but the book is 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 your journey, yeah. you know, through those uh, four four or five seasons. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure I know what the answer to this is going to be because everybody I know of your vintage will say the same thing. But yeah. <laughs> favorite season or favorite matches from that period, favorite experiences. Uh, 69-70 season, definitely my favourite, still is. Um, and I still consider that to be the Chelsea team. I mean, I could just go like Benetti, Webb, McCready, Hollins, Dempsey, Harris, Cook, Hudson, Osgood, Hutchinson, Houseman. I don't even have to think about it. You know, uh, not forgetting Tommy Baldwin, who played in the final, you know, because Hudson was injured. Um, yeah, I mean, my, fa- my favourite game was the Bruges one in 71, which I think a lot of people go back to that night um it's just a fantastic evening i've never heard the noise like that at the bridge you know up till then it was just an amazing amazing night the way the you know i was on the uh, i was on the west stand benches as well that night and it was just an incredible atmosphere um and then of course there was extra time uh in that game when we got i think we got two goals in the last period of extra time to take and I got into trouble again because my dad said I was out too late, you know, even though I said it was Chelsea's fault, you know, blame them. Yeah, that was de- yeah, that was definitely my uh, my, my favorite game in those days, I would say. Mm. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you know, we've just done uh, the 94 95 season, and of course, all oh, right, yeah, it's very interesting talking about that Bruges game yeah. in that cup run and how, how it compared to the one in uh in, in 71 and uh, 71 yeah yeah you know it's very interesting i mean you know as you as you said earlier on you, you were 16 as we went into the 72 73 yeah. season so you know in some respects those are the best kind of years of our lives from like 16 to 21 you know yeah I mean, what was it? I mean, what was it like? What's the over overriding memory of that that time for you? What was it like for you growing up through that? Well, I think it was. Uh, I, I'm I'm glad that I mean, I was a little kid in the '60s. I I uh, grew up with the Beatles. You know, if you're talking about like the social side of it, and there just seemed to be something exciting happening every week. I mean, even as a little kid, I realised something was going on. You know, uh, and then when you got to the '70s, uh, what were the the football? The you know the interest in football after the world after our world cup win in 66 uh it was a brilliant time for football and for music as well i mean you know the likes of bowie and pete were like that and i was brought up i feel sorry for the it sounds <laughs> sound like an old boy now but i feel sorry for the rubbish they have to put up with uh now and what i was brought up with i think we definitely saw the best of of, of both worlds in those days yeah, I mean it's interesting, isn't it? Because I mean, you know, I I I I was sixteen in, let me think, eighty eighty one. Yeah. 
So I kind of, you know, grew up with punk, right? Yeah. And all yeah. of that. And always feel really blessed to have been that kind of age at that kind of time. Loads yeah. going on as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you talk about you know the, the Thatcher thing going on. There was, there was lots to be really <coughs> angry about. And as a, as a kid of that age, you want to be angry about stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was really into Elvis Costello. I mean, I I, I, I worked with his drama last year. Oh, Pete really? Thomas. Pete, yeah, Pete Thomas. I, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, he's he's done a few of our tracks because I, was, I I've still got publishing deals in France and out in the states when I do stuff like for film and TV, and they use some of our stuff. Uh, now I did a few tracks with Pete Thomas and also Bowie's drummer Woody Woodmansey. Really, blind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because well, well, what our producer Pat Collier, he was in the Vibrators, you know, and oh, he, right. yeah. he he went on to do Walking on Sunshine, you know, with Katrina and all that lot, and the Wonder stuff. So yeah, so I'm still working with Pat to this day, uh, a friendship that's gone on longer <laughs> longer than I care to remember, really. Well, it's a weird tangent, but but you know, there's a link in there as there always is. But I mean, you know, Chelsea's got a remarkable relationship i think with yeah. music hasn't it you think of all the musicians yeah. and, and pop stars that have been yeah. associated with the club still are yeah yeah that's right yeah yeah there's quite a few high profile well, i think sex pistols were well, was the um was was it steve, steve jones, jones and, Paul uh, Cook. Yeah. yeah both chelsea boys yeah when we won the title in 2005 uh, I couldn't get I couldn't get a ticket for Bolton, so I, I watched it in in some ropey pub in Pimlico on my own. Right. On my own, would you believe? <laughs> yeah, with the equivalent of a padded cell. Yeah. And then when when we'd won, you know, my phone was just buzzing, and all my mates said who hadn't hadn't been able to go to Bolton, we're all going down to Stamford Bridge. We're going, come down, come down, come down. And we went down there, and there must have been three or four thousand people in Fulham yeah, Road. Right, you know, the roads shut, police not quite knowing what to do. Yeah, and just just got absolutely hammered. I ended up in the Imperial Pub, dancing oh, yeah. with Paul Cook. Oh right, blimey! Who was there doing the same thing? So there you oh, go. that's a yeah, brilliant night. That was it. Was I, indeed April the thirtieth, two thousand and five. You've got yeah. a good memory for dates as well as everything else. Yeah. Oh, look, you, you know, my 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 missus, she uh, she thinks I'm a freak because <laughs> we'll, we'll be watching a program. Of course, I know all those years, and it came up the other night, and it's some date in nineteen seventy four. And I said, "Oh, that was a Friday." And then yeah. she pull she pulls the telly. And she said, "Is there something wrong with you?" You know, because it, it's a bit. But I've always been like, you know, I can just I can link it to dates and everything, you know, so. Even about other clubs, I know their dates and the like lineups, you know, and things which people think are freakish. But if you know, if you've got that type of brain, that's it, really. Well, I mean, I'm sure on behalf of anybody who's read the book, or on behalf of anybody who's about to read the book, uh, I'd like to say how grateful we are to you, Neil, because I, and all my other mates who've got these mad encyclopedic memories, like. Yeah. Mark Meehan and Kelvin Barker are exactly the same. Because yeah. I, I can't, I mean, if you asked me the last Chelsea game, I went, well, I'll tell you what, in two weeks' time, ask me what happened against in, in Chelsea for Palace and I won't remember. No. I mean, and I'm useless. So thank God for people like you and Kelvin yeah. and Mark for having such great memories and, and, and then putting it down in books so that we can uh, we can be reminded of it. Because it's a very, yeah. very, apart from, apart from being lovely reading, because they're really great books, it's, it's a really valuable service you provide as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting on a third one uh, this month as well for Pitch Publishing, and that's going to take in the John Neal side. It's going to go on from... It, we'll, we'll cover 
like the period from 77 ugh, through some really dreadful years. And then like the rebirth, like the 82, 83, then 83, 84, which were like uh, completely polar opposites of each other where we just missed relegation and then got promoted. So, yeah, I'm starting that for pitch this month. Well, I, I'm I'm so glad you. I was going to ask you that anyway. Funnily enough, because it it, yeah. it, 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 it it it's kind of glaringly obvious in a way that it has yeah. to happen. Yeah, you know, that's right. you, You've got to seventy-seven. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I know because we've just done all these fifty years shows. You know, yeah. in fact, actually, because as I said, I've been re-releasing them, and I think I, I put up uh, the seventy-eight, seventy-nine. Yeah. Um, you know, episode. Yeah, I saw of, that. Yeah. yeah, and I and the, and I think what did I say? Question: Where were you when you were shit? Answer: <laughs> Season nineteen seventy eight to seventy nine. Oh my god! Because what a season it, that yeah, was. it didn't really get much worse than that. But it has to be done. Somebody's got to do that period from seventy seven yeah, to eighty three, eighty four. So that's brilliant that you are. Yeah, I'm doing that. Yeah, I'm starting, which is about nine months of work. But and after like really, it is so difficult, you know, because working in music, you you work one way, but to write a book, I mean, I I do about two pages five days a week and it's wow. you think of any reason not to, to to go up there and start writing again but you know it's, it's worth it in the end yeah well it certainly has been it's been yeah well it's been brilliant talking to you neil but All i mean right, the thanks. book's fantastic I, I would recommend it to anybody what's your favorite bit of the book do you think um what well, deeper shade mm. um i i suppose uh Towards the end of the 74, 75 season, right? Not favourite like, uh, memory, but I mean, I think that is still vivid, like the Tottenham game. But writing about the 76, 77 season and the, and the way, you know, because I, I suddenly, you know, I said to Trudy, my, uh, my wife, that, you know, people are going to, it's just all doom and gloom, this book. I mean, there's no light relief to it until you get to the end of it and then everything's on the upturn again. So it was definitely uh, a relief when I got to the 76, 77 season. <laughs> I was running out of adjectives. What do you say? <laughs> do you know to you uh, how bad we were during those times? Well, indeed. Well, if you'd have finished at the whole match, you would have definitely had a happy ending, but you can't oh, do yeah. this book without saying what happened next, which is Eddie going. So Yeah, that's right, yeah. I, I do get that. Um, now, you can get this and Rhapsody in blue so you get deeper shade of blue and rhapsody yeah. in blue from amazon yeah that's right i think yeah it's all over the place yeah pitch uh, they've got it i mean it's been selling around the world as well i mean i think they're they've done quite well with it i mean i suppose they, they must have done fairly well because they've you know commissioned me to do another one for them as well so yeah that's really good news yeah. uh and uh, you know I, as you say i don't think anyone's really covered that period of time then uh so yeah i thought i'd give and also it's going to be along the same lines so i'm going to do the social history as well and what i was up to because i think that adds a little bit more but you know depth and uh, like you know uh first-hand experience i i don't think you can beat it neil as, as, as no. we were saying i mean anybody can write a book that well actually that's not true but i mean tim as we know does a just an unbelievable job on chronicling yeah. what goes on. But you have to be really good to do that as well, I think. Yeah, but I, I mean, think that... you can't beat the personal approach is what you've done. No, I mean, I've read, I've, I I took part in the crowdfunding for Tim's book, yeah. Sexton. And I also uh, got a few Christmases ago, I got Doherty's Diamonds and, you know, that that one, which I thought the, re, uh, the research on that was unbelievable. I just don't know where he got it from. You know, it's, a, it's a really an amazing book, that. No, he's he's. I mean, I know Tim very well. He's a great mate, and he's. But he is a real detail merchant, and and I think yeah. you know that's the point, isn't it? Your personalities do come through 
yeah. your writing in a way. So Tim was yeah. always going to write that kind of a book. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, having read your book, you are you are a storyteller. Yeah. It's all right. about yeah. stories and anecdotes, and yeah, I don't think you would have right. done yeah. it any other way. And I think it's all the better for it. Yeah, I think so. I think it's you know, it's uh, I, I listened to uh, my wife Trudy that she said, you know, there are going to be blokes of your generation who would say. And I've had loads of messages like that from people, you know, on Facebook and everything saying, yeah, this is exactly what I went through and everything. And I remember this and I remember that, you know, um, it's been, yeah, it's been brilliant to get those messages as well. Well, there you go. I'm sure you'll get many more, Neil. Now, oh, as I said yeah. earlier on, uh, you very kindly gave me two books. I'm going to give one away uh, as a competition prize. Do you have a question? Yeah. What future star of the Dutch team in 1974 played in the European Cup Winners' Cup quarter-final in 1971 for Bruges against Chelsea at the bridge. Right, so which future Dutch uh, international star played for Bruges against Chelsea in yeah. the 1971 Cup Winners' Cup? It was the semi-quarter-final, wasn't it? Quarter-final. 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 Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, if you know the answer to that question, I'll repeat it again. What future Dutch international star played for Bruges against Chelsea in the quarterfinal of the Cup Winners' Cup in 1971. If you know the answer to that, then email chelseafancast at gmail.com, as uh, you know you, you know the address by now, people. If you do that, I'll pick out a win, winner randomly on Monday night's show next week. So that'll be Monday, I think it's the 16th, but... Uh, yeah, you know, our, our first kind of post-match uh, show. So I'll, I'll, I'll pick out a winner and I'll send you a copy of Neil's book and you can thank me for it now because it's bloody good and you will enjoy it. <laughs> Thanks. Which is a great way to end it on, Neil. Thanks yeah, so brilliant. much for coming yeah. along and, and spending some time not just talking about the book but about just a very fascinating period in Chelsea's history. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'll that great. Yeah, I'd have to. Do, I'd like to do it again for when the next one comes out. That'd be brilliant. You're invited back immediately for that one. When, when do you think it'll be out? Uh, it's supposed to be out next May. Well, good luck with all of that. And uh, Neil, if you find yourself, uh, you know, at the Stamford Bridge soon, come and find me for a pint. I definitely be, will do. Yeah, be lovely to buy you a pint. Well, yeah, that'd be great. Brilliant. Well, there you go, Neil Fitzsimon, author of uh, Deeper Shade of Blue and Rhapsody in Blue. Uh, thank you so much on behalf of all the Chelsea fan cast for coming on and sharing some great tales about your books. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Das Leben kann hektisch sein. Warum nicht dem Alltag entfliehen und in die magische Welt von Evermerge eintauchen? Evermerge ist ein magisches Land, das mit jeder Entdeckung größer und besser wird. Werde ein Merge Master. Baue und sammle einzigartige Gegenstände oder verschönere deine eigene wundersame Welt. Im Land von Evermerge gibt es immer etwas zu tun. Evermerge. Jetzt kostenlos im App Store herunterladen.